Hey guys, this is Keith from the One Recovery Radio Network. Hope everybody's doing well and having a good week. Uh, so this evening I wanted to, uh, instead of doing our normal podcast, I wanted I put a, uh, a podcast together from our highlights uh, from season one, and uh, I think it's something that you know all you guys will enjoy. And uh, this weekend we will be back with season two. So uh, look forward to seeing you then, and uh, enjoy the best of. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Keith from the One Recovery Radio Network. We're here with Ray today, and uh, had a few more questions for you, Ray. Um, back to the whole dealing with your addiction. You know, what what was it that really made you kind of overcome it? You know, get over the hump. Well, especially and, especially in like hair. You know, I was a heroin addict, and I know what happened with me. But I got arrested, so I um, I got forced into it. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, it probably yeah. saved my life. So, uh, what did you have to do? Well, I mean, I I've struggled with this so much, and you know, even to even to this day, sometimes I struggle with it. But um, what's what's helped me get through it the most? I mean, I was I was hospitalized, um, actually, kind of recently. But okay. um, I mean, they at that hospital they. You know, they they kept me away from it. They just gave me my medication and and kind of built like more like a structure for me and sure and, and that. that was really nice and you know that and that helped me like come out and like you know, think think you know I don't really need I don't really need these pills I don't really need to take pills you know but it's just sometimes it sometimes I just deal with such traumatic yeah, episodes yeah. just because the fact that the people that attacked me and nearly took my life, they were never caught. And I don't know if they damaged a part of my memory when I got my brain injury mm-hmm. or, or, or if I just blacked it out just cause it was too traumatic, but I can't remember who they were, what they look like. So, you know, if I, I could see them on the streets and I wouldn't even know who they were and yeah. just, it's all black. But so I, I've struggled just dealing with that and that makes me sometimes want to use you know I've, I've had a couple of slip-ups because of that and but the one thing that has helped me is just realizing that I'm hurting my family by by you know by by doing drugs like I'm hurting everyone around me and it's also making all my friends not want to be around me and it's making me just feel like a really horrible person horrible person which I don't ever want to be so get that it's it was kind of just like I just did a lot of reflection just on my life and and how I want others to view me and how I want to view me mm-hmm. and I don't want to be a drug addict like a using drug addict for the rest of my life and you know have everybody pass judgment on me without even knowing me because that's kind of what the detective did in my case he he hardly even looked for the people that did that to me. He mm-hmm. just thought, oh oh, you were you're you're you were in there to recover to get sober. Oh, you probably messed yeah, up and you probably got involved with some bad people. It's you probably brought it on yourself basically. Yeah. And so um, I I just have tried to do my best to seek out good people, people that can help me. You know, like there's there's groups, there's um people I've met like outside of. 
uh, the hospital that I was in mm. that were good people and just um, you know my family and, and I also have Andrew who is a really good support system for me as well yeah that's great he's helped me through a lot and you know I've, I've gotten help from people and that, that's the best way in my in my eyes that's the best way to help recover from your addiction is to have a support system. Yeah, and you can't do it alone. You know, whenever in, in my past when I tried to do do it alone, it's just it, it's a waste of time because you're gonna fall right back into it because your way of doing things. Well, that's what got you up to up to this point. You know, if if you would have listened to somebody else, because you know your way didn't work, you probably would have you know had better luck. But just another quick question on on the subject, like when you look back over everything, is there anything that you would like? What would you, you do different now? You know, if what if you're going through what you've been through today, what what would you do knowing? You know, well, I, I would have taken school more seriously. I would have found mm-hmm. a different crowd to hang out with, the good like a good crowd to hang out with, mm-hmm. and you know, um, if I would have just done that and just kind of just shifted, I there's so many times I wish I could have gone back and done things differently, mm-hmm. and you know, I look back and like. What, what could I have done differently? You know, I could have even probably avoided my brain injury because the only reason why I was at that hotel was to get clean. And, you know, the, with with the pain pills, I I should have just stayed away from who introduced me to those. Sorry, sorry. Those extended stays, like, I'm not going to call them out by name or whatever, but it's like people that told me, oh, I went to this place to recover. And I'm like, you probably weren't successful where you're like, no, I'm like in town and, and those guys, you know, it's like, the only time I've spent time there is, you know, doing drugs, selling drugs, you know, it's like, you don't go there to get clean. I mean, I, I know at the time it probably sounded great and, but it's like looking back my experiences with it, I'm like, God, that's a tough place to get clean, you know, yeah. if, it, if it can even be done there. Yeah. And you know, another place that I, I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. uh, people go to get clean is Highland Ridge because when I went there, that's where I met most of my, that's where I met a yeah. lot of dealers. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll straight up call Highland Ridge out. They're, they're, they're pathetic. I don't care for them. Um, they're, they're fakes, they're frauds. Um, you know, and all they care about is getting paid, you know, which, which I understand that's the world, you know, this whole world about getting paid, yeah. but at least be honest about it. You know, like I just, not just myself, you, and I just, I know a lot of people that have been through there and it's, uh, it didn't really help with the situation. They pretty much just told you and you know, your probation, drug court, whatever, they pretty much lied to them, you know, and gave you a, a false diagnosis that would make them look good. You know, yes. it's funny how you brought them up because yeah I had a similar experience back in the day wow. with, with Highland yeah, yeah. and they, they gave me a, a bunch of medication that I did not need to take they, they gave me Ativan constantly they yep. gave me Klonopin constantly and that's what, just you know, all that's, kinds of sh- stuff I know people that have gone there to, to detox because they can get Klonopin yeah and, and yes, that helps you detox, but then you come out with it. You're addicted to clodopin You're now. another, it's so a substitute it, addiction. And, and, and some good people that I knew went there, and they they get out of there, and a week later, they're worse than they've ever been. You know, mm-hmm. you know when, being on benzos, you're not yourself. You don't even know who you are. Like, for my experience with them, like, you'll you'll do benzos, and then you'll wake up, but you're robbing Walmart with an AK-47. Like, where do you get an AK-47 yeah. from anyway, you know? Yeah. it's So, yeah, benzos are just all bad and it's I know it's I know a lot of people that kind of like for heroin addicts you know pain pills pretty much we all share a similar story benzos is kind of the same way you go to a psychiatrist you tell them what they want to hear and then you walk out with, with a script of Xanax so 
it, it's just it, it's all bad it's all bad and I'm, I'm glad you don't you know really deal with those because uh, tell our people about the the withdrawals from benzos and, and how bad they are compared to everything else uh, they're terrible you know I, I I think my worst withdrawal still was from Suboxone when I had to come mm. off of that cold turkey that was a nightmare because I was taking it for so many years and then all of a sudden I didn't have insurance anymore and I couldn't afford my prescription so I went from taking two, two a day to zip zero and I was on my couch just sick not being able to eat or sleep my muscles were going into convulsions mm -hmm. and I, I was throwing up and just I was like that for two and a half weeks because it's because Suboxone is meant to be tapered off of it's mm -hmm. not meant to cold turkey it's going to get you sick you know but if, if you if Suboxone um, if you take Suboxone and you do like a two week you know you're gonna you're gonna be okay you know you may have a bad day or two but if you do it for about two weeks, just a little bit less, a little bit less of a taper each day, you're going to be okay. I know a lot of people that, that have been that way. So yeah. uh, so anyway, not to cut you off, I just wanted to no, kind of yeah, time out on that one. I, 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 was just, I had just been taking it for years, and, you know, so, and, and that's not something I want to ever go through again. Mm. And the benzos, they weren't, for, in my opinion, they weren't as hard coming off of as the Suboxone, wow. but they were pretty pretty damn hard I'm not gonna lie they were it, it was it was really hard coming off of that like my skin was crawling I didn't go into convulsions like I did with the suboxone but I I my skin was crawling my head was racing everything hot cold felt, hot cold hot yeah, cold everything yeah. everything felt uncomfortable being in my own skin I couldn't even control my thoughts I couldn't control anything and you know that's led me to cut myself a couple of times mm -hmm. and as a result of that. Speaking, speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, um, I don't know if that's one, a struggle you developed recently or if that's way back when, but what, what have been your recent, since you've been sober, what, what are some struggles that you, you've had to face, you know? Because it's not easy, I mean. Uh, definitely my, my PTSD from the brain injury and just the depression that was before my brain injury and you know I have bipolar disorder as well and um, I've been a cutter for a really long time and that's been another horrible thing like I mean like it's kind of like using drugs to make you feel better I would cut myself to make me feel better mm -hmm. like especially when I when I would withdraw off of benzos, like not having control over anything, not even my own mind, then I could choose to do something to like release the pain from inside out and I have control over it and nobody can take that away from me. And it, it's kind of this weird thing. It's just, it's just weird obsession. Like I've, I've always been a cutter since I was a, a, even a kid. And um, that's another struggle that I struggle with. It's almost like another addiction I've struggled with. Oh, yeah, I get that. And so based on that, how are you doing now? Like today, this moment, how are you doing compared to obviously how you were in the past? But how are you doing now? And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about relationships and just all around. How are you doing? I have, I have great relationships with people. I'm very yeah. close with my family. I'm very close that's, with that's number one. I'm yeah. very close with Andrew. You know, I, I'm... Uh, I'm I'm very personable to people mm -hmm. and respectful, and I've I've come a lot like I've I gained a little bit of insight on how how 
people work, how the mind works, and that's how that's how like my experiences. Like when I got sober, like the the big book, whatever you know, that's for some people. It's not for me. I was an alcoholic in my past, but it's still not for me. Like I got to where I am today, long term sobriety with interacting with others who've been there before and sharing experiences because yeah. it's a book written in what 1940 <laughs> whenever, whenever it was or maybe the 20s I don't know but I get it from my day to day interactions with people and you know I might have a lot of long term sobriety right now but it's still it's every day I have to be talking to somebody about it every day and mm-hmm. it's it, it's those you know the sober networks that we speak about they're so important and, and just telling everybody out there listening like your network, your support is is everything because without that you don't have anything. Exactly, so, and you have no reason not to use either. Like yep. that's one thing that you can have control over that nobody else can have control over either. That's, but you know that's that's it's really dangerous because you can end up dead. You can end up like with MRSA, like I did, or you can end up being violently attacked and assaulted and wind up with a brain injury yourself like it's mm-hmm. it's just so dangerous the drug world and so i've i've kind of removed myself from everybody like i've removed myself from all the people that i would get drugs from i kind of just cut myself out and i'm just in my little bubble i've got a couple friends mm-hmm. that are good at but i'm it's just good. in my own <clears throat> in my own world and and i i'm doing a lot better now than i was but I'm not gonna lie. I still struggle with the PTSD. I mean, that's yeah. That's you know, and the the and of course my the bipolar disorder doesn't help. Like, you know, those are my main struggles. Yeah. Well, still, I get that. And you know, last but not least, we got to run a second because we got another guest waiting to come on in the next segment. But how can you contribute to helping others with their mental illness, their addictions? Like, what can you tell our audience that you know can can help them? Is you know, how would it? How, how can you help others? Well, I mean, uh, for me, I'd like I want to I want to reach out to as many people as I can to talk to them and tell them don't do know, it <laughs> <laughs> to 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 talk to them and tell them you're not alone. You know, there are people that care about you, and even if you feel like there there aren't, I care about you because I know what you're. I know the struggles that you're going through. You know, I've had my own. I can I can I can you know be there as a friend I mean if you live far away I, I could I'd be more than happy to share like my my email address or my Facebook uh, to you but and that's and that's another thing to tell you guys anybody out there who's struggling or just needing guidance or wanting to get into treatment wherever you can find us on Twitter um, our, our Twitter name it's it's at capital T I N G S underscore nine capital n i n e so it's just things underscore nine uh that's where you can find us on twitter and then we also ha- have a group which uh ray i know you're going to start helping us out with on uh, facebook messenger it's just uh big big things by nine uh give us uh do a search for us on uh messenger and there's a lot of activities in there there's a lot of um you see a lot of people coming out a lot hey you know can i get some help and right away you got tens 20 30 people trying to help that person so you know that that's that's a that's a way and uh, sorry not to cut you off on that, but I, you know, with with social media and everything, it's it's almost an addiction now. So it's it's like people flock to it. So if you have an issue needing help, 
that's where you're going to find the help. Like mm -hmm. the days of just websites and everything else are they're done with. Everything is social media. Like yeah. I'm not about to pay a penny for a website for, for, for big things by nine. Why do that when I can get just as many people, if not more, on, on Facebook or Twitter? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, come on. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's pretty much all we have uh, for the rest of the segment. Is there anything else you wanted to to drop or that's good that's good enough well i just want to just remind everybody again that um there there's always a way out and i'm not going to say it gets better because i hate when people say it gets better it yeah. gets better it it for me and a lot of people it never gets better but you will find ways to deal with it better yep you will find ways to deal with it and you can you have it within yourself to, to seek out help and to, to help yourself like you can you can deal with it differently it'll never get better but you yeah. can deal with things differently that's awesome well can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming out here and uh, the best to you keep in touch we'd love to have you on again and uh, guys keep an eye out for uh, Ray on our uh, messenger uh, he's going to be doing a little bit of help in there so uh, when you see him just shoot him a hello, and I'm sure he's got some more great stories that he can share with you. So with that being said, Ray, love you, brother. Thank you for coming, man, and we will uh, we'll see you next time. Thank so, you for having me. Anytime, brother. Good talking with you. You too. Hey, good evening, guys. This is Keith from the One Recovery Radio Network. Uh, tonight we have our uh, Miss Tisa is with us again for our part hopefully you so to let us do a uh, a part three but uh anyway i hope everybody's had a good week and i'm glad you're here with us uh andrew's also here with me um and andrew i know you got quite a few things you wanted to ask miss tisa about how are you miss tisa i'm good thanks how are you guys doing doing great it's good to hear awesome. your voice again oh good to hear you guys too yeah yes. we we had a blast last week and so i'm like oh we got to get her on again and maybe again and again <laughs> That's so yeah, kind of you. I had a nice time too. Thank you. <laughs> good. How's how's your week been? Oh, it's been really good. Thank you. Um, busy with school. I you know go to Bible college, and it's been nice. Um, yeah, just catching up with my homework and spending time with family. That's great. Yeah. Family time's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andrew, you want to say hello? Yes. <laughs> Hi, Tisa. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Home Slice. Hi, Home Girl. <laughs> That's um, our little thing, huh, Tisa? Yes. <laughs> yes. Before you, I know you have a huge list to ask her, but yeah. I'll, just real quick, I mean, I have like one thing to ask her first. Um, I had a question. So, when you we spoke in our last episode about uh, when you started taking pills, oxy's or whatever. Uh huh. How long did that go on for before you realized, like, wow, this is not good? <laughs> um, gosh. Well, I've been bedridden for 12 years. Uh, and um, I'm trying to see. Uh, okay, so I started on pain pills when I was first in New York City. I used to live and work in Manhattan, lower wow. Manhattan. And mm -hmm. I got bursitis in my hip. I'd be walking down the street and I literally would not be able to walk anymore. The pain would hurt so bad because this is back when I could walk, um, back when I was teaching in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And so the doctor put me on Percocets 
um, and I would take a Percocet and just stand there looking like a tourist until the Percocet would kick in. And um, and um, and when it kicked in, I was able to move my leg. I was able to move my hip. Yeah. And so that started it. And then he put me like my pain got worse. And then my back started like having this really awful pain. So my doctor put me on Oxycontin, like 40 milligrams or something. It was way too much, way it's too a lot. soon. Like it's a lot. It just, and I would throw up every morning. Like I would take it before work, yeah. like with my my Bialy or my uh, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich from the corner deli. I would eat it and I would drink a red Gatorade. And every morning, like Ugh. a week, I would just puke right into the trash can outside my classroom just read so just read everything it was horrible sorry because the, like the percocets they they have a lot of acetaminophen in there which is pretty much you know tylenol but it just tears up the lining on your stomach it's awful yeah um so yeah um um yeah so how i was gonna say so how long did it once you first started did, was it a year? Was it a month? How long was it before you realized, like, oh, shit, this is not good? <laughs> um, when I started, um, like, wanting the pill but not needing the pill. Like, when I wanted that yeah. that yeah. first yeah. Um, that first high in the morning, you know? Like, like I... Because he gave... Because the, the Oxycontin was so strong it it arrested my heart like my heart my chest would get really tight and that was a side effect from it just being way too strong and so then he gave me xanax to sleep oh gosh. so he oh, so i was on xanax and oxycontin at the same time so wow. i was just getting loaded i was just and i didn't <laughs> all day long yeah like but i and, and, and then you look then you look back you think it's been like a day and it's a month yes oh my gosh yes <laughs> yes yeah, i know all about absolutely it. it just just stole my time like it just yeah it was crazy so i was teaching i, I, I had a buddy who was a year oh really a year of his life before he, he was 20 years old lost his entire year wow Xanax is bad. They don't. That should never be prescribed to anybody. You know, Valium is strong enough. You know, they don't need to get any worse than that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. So yeah, did, did you ever come off of uh, Xanax? Yes, I did. Um, is that awful or what? It was horrible. It was. That's the worst out of all of them. Alcohol, heroin, whatever. Xanax is the hardest thing I've ever had to come off of, and I've come off of, of all. Yeah. But Xanax, I felt like I was in like a toaster oven. It'd be hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold all day long and you get the chills and it's just bad really bad yeah it's kind of xanax it's kind of like it's the hardest one to actually like describe uh withdrawal symptoms because they're they're different than everything else but they're the worst Ugh. yeah xanax and alcohol at the same time yeah alcohol is a tough one were you ever a big drinker uh no um i when my sister moved to new york in my early 20s um she was more social than I was. Like, she, she, we started going out to bars together, but I didn't really have a problem with alcohol, I don't think. Um, but then again, who am I to judge, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. See, I, I know I had, I had a problem. Like, you, you know, like, 
you know, you get like, for me, it's like when I try to get off alcohol, it is, well, I successfully beat it, but it was a good two weeks of just hell. Wow. You know, and, and you're so anxious, you're shaking and you're throwing up and ugh, it's just bad. They're all bad, you know, but alcohol and Xanax, ugh, I'm good on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I've worked, I've worked too hard to get, I almost got 30 months sober and I've worked hard. Praise that. God. So, that's huge. I'm so proud of you. That, yeah. It, it's, it's been a journey and I've learned a lot of good things and met, met a lot of good people like you, for example. Um, and then Andrew, I knew, I knew Andrew, what was that? Like seven years ago? Yeah. Six or seven years yeah. ago. Dollar bis- biscuits and gravy and uh, Carl's Jr. You know, how do you beat that? Oh, that's cool. Right. <laughs> but, um, so I wanted to dive into your, um, your disease could just for for the people that didn't hear us last week uh could you give us just you know a rundown as as much information as possible okay so um if i get injured or if the disease just feels like it it can um like it has the muscles have a heart attack and turn into real bone and most often a tumor will show up first to announce the presence of the disease and that it's about to get real. And um, I just got a tumor in my thigh um, when I was in the hospital, the last hospital. And I just dismissed it. I just figured, you know, no big deal. And then it occurred to me yesterday that it might be my disease trying to take my other leg. But I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm not even going to give that any thought because it's, you know, but um, what happens is the tumors show up and then they, wherever they travel, the muscle turns into real bone. Like they just travel along and it just like sews your muscles into bone, like just transforms them as it moves. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so you said there was there was like what 900 cases worldwide. Yes, I was speaking to someone um, the other day, a girlfriend of mine, and uh, she handles me- mental health stuff, and and we were talking about it. she never heard of it, and I told her about it, and she researched it on Google and pulled this picture up, which she said she almost threw up in her mouth. It was a picture of like your her all the muscles in your back, and they looked just they didn't look right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but um, I know Andrew had a lot of questions asked you um about you know foundations and you know where can what what can people do to help? Where can they send money? Uh, you know, but uh, Andrew's got the whole list, so I'm gonna let him take over. Okay. Say, say hello, Andrew. <laughs> what up, home hey, girl? Slice. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> um, so the the name of the disease again is FOP. Fibroidal dysplasia ossificans progressiva is the Latin name for it, but it's FOP, and the website is ifopa.org, and there's a donate button there for if you want to donate towards research. Cool. Okay, right on. And then, so what's the cause and science behind it? Is one question I have. Um, it's it stems from a myoblast gene. Like, my parents didn't have it in their family line. It's not a familial gene. It just kind of happens randomly. And if if I had children, um, there's a 50% chance that I would pass it along. So in my case, it is a familial gene. But how I got it was a myoblast. It just kind of popped up in, in my DNA. So, so no one in the family has it except 
Yes, I have nine brothers and sisters and nobody else has it. And none of my 23 nieces and nephews have it either. Wow. So it's a rarity, of yes. course. Yes, one in two million. Okay. Wow. One in two million. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, that's what uh, the girl I'm seeking the, the other day. Um, she's like, "What is it like?" She said, "Is it one in like ten million?" And I said, "No, I think it's like in the hundreds of thousands." <laughs> yeah, one in two million. So yeah, that's good to know. Um, another question I have are are the doctors working on a cure for it? Yes. Um, in Philadelphia, at the Uni- University of Pennsylvania, I believe. No. Ah. I should know this. Um, anyway, in Philadelphia, they have two hospitals, and actually, there's hospitals and doctors and researchers coordinated all around the world, and they found the gene um, in the early 2000s. I want to say 2007. They found the gene, and um, they were able to pinpoint it. And it's not only going to help people with my disease. But it's going to help people with heart disease where their arteries harden. The same kind of hardening factor that where our uh, muscles turn into bone, um, the, the cartilage or the, the plaque that grows on the heart, they can somehow use the discovery of the gene for my disease to help heart patients. So. Okay, well, of course, you know, um, Tisa, that I worked on a cardiac floor as a CNA, so... Um, yeah, for seven years. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then it says, how, another question I have for you too is, um, how do you function and how is your day-to-day life? I mean, just your day-to-day activities, day-to-day activities in living with the disease. So I mostly stay in bed. I've been getting up in my wheelchair a couple of times a day over the last week or so, week and a half or so. Um, And I also have a shower bed and I have a a lift. Um, It's actually broken right now. My robot broke last night. I had to call the fireman in to get me from my wheelchair to my bed. How do you get a robot? Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> how robot will travel? <laughs> it is, is, it, is it rude you? Or <laughs> it's actually not listening to me right now. It's not working. And it's beeping at me. Oh, no. Give it a nice yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be there to listen to you. Aw, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> You're so welcome, sweet. dear. Gosh, you have to be hard. Doesn't he? <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, at least yeah. one of us does, yes. you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just keep you know ready. I got your back. <laughs> so, um, the, the, eight, the 800 number. Yeah, I, I saw an 800 number here. Um, 888-205-205-2311 to call for um, extra uh, information about the disease. and. Yeah, you can call up. Um, there's an international FOP association. Um, I used to be on the board of okay. directors for that. It's um, they, oh, they, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they um, pioneered the research. They raise all the money. All the money, we don't get any government assistance. It's all family fundraisers and donations and um, the generosity of people that get us to this, these drug trials and stuff. The IFOPA has raised okay. millions of dollars for research. Who? Who again? What's that? 
who again? The IFOPA, the International FOP Association. Okay. Yes. All right. And then, um, any place to learn about disease? Uh, how can we spread the word? Um, another thing, uh, what has helped besides your faith in God living with the disease? Um, with the- my family and um, support, like yeah. having examples like Joni Erickson Tata and Nick Nick Vajuzzi right. or whatever his name is. I can never pronounce it right. Um, the guy with no arms and no legs. Nick, the guy with no something. arms and no legs. Yes, yeah, just I know seeing him. people like that, like living their faith and living happily with the condition, have been inspirational to me. Okay, and I did a report back in, I believe, high school about Joni Erickson. Oh, Tata. cool. Yeah. So, um, all right, we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we will. Continue our interview with Tisa. See you in a second. Hey guys, good evening. This is Keith with the One Recovery Radio Network. Joined here tonight with my partner, Eric. It is Sunday evening, March the 7th, 2021. Happy to be here. Happy to be speaking to our favorite audience tonight. I hope everybody's doing well. Tonight we, we wanted to kind of hit, hit focus on uh, getting uh, getting out, getting out of the house, and you know because a lot of people they they sit around all day and they they do nothing and you're just rotting from the inside out and you're in your wait you're you're waiting for a relapse that's that's all you're doing. So if it's getting out, taking a walk, if it's getting out, you, you know, working in the garden, whatever that may be, just doing something or you know it's. There's a thousand different things you can do, and sitting in your place, you know, is is not a good thing. Uh, I'm here tonight with Eric, and uh, Eric, I know you have a lot on the subject, so uh, what's up, man? Well, uh, that's one thing I can definitely say, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of, you know, sitting around doing nothing, you know, waiting for something to happen, and nothing's going to happen until you actually, you know, uh, you know, believe in yourself to get up and get out of yourself to make something happen. And I mean, I don't know, fuck, how long I've actually, you know, how to learn that by sitting around, sitting around for years and years and years, waiting for something to happen until finally I started uh, figuring, hey, nothing's going to happen until I actually do something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the best part about that is, is you can do anything you want to do. You just got to pick something and continue with it. And that's one thing, uh, you know, us addicts have, have a lot of... Uh, a lot of thought on is actually not believing in themselves. You know, sure. I know I did, and that's one thing that held me back for a lot of years is, you know, that negative voice in my head saying, oh, you're not good enough, you can't do that, why would you do that? You know, people will make fun of you, or whatever, but it's not about that, it's about what you put in your head and, and you go with. I mean, there's so many people that I see in life that, that are just, you know what I mean? Look at Trump, for example. He don't give a shit what people think about him. He goes out and he does. And, and that's just what he does. I mean, yeah, sometimes he looks like an idiot, but sometimes, I mean, look at what he does because he don't care. He goes out there and he says, hey, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to become because I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. And that's what everybody, uh, you know, they should truly find within themselves is, hey, I am who I am and no matter what I do, that's who I'm going to become. And, and who cares what anybody thinks about you? Because if you, if you truly love and believe in yourself, that's who you are. And that's who you're going to become. And that's one thing 
I mean, I am so, so grateful that I've actually um, been able to, um, you know, recognize about myself is that I am who I am and um, that's who I'm going to be. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks thinks of me, I'm going to become who I am and, and I'm not going to let anybody affect who I am anymore, you know? Well, yeah, I think that's very well put. You know, getting back on, you know, what we were talking about before, there's a little stat that I just that I just looked up online that you might be interested in hearing. In the history of man, not one person has ever has ever bettered themselves laying on the couch all day long. Say that one more time. In the history of, of mankind, not one person has ever bettered themselves laying on the couch doing nothing all day long. Right. <laughs> so, and no, I didn't look that up. I just said that. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if you can find that on Google. It's it's too much common sense, you know. I don't even need to be written down. But um, but yeah, there's just there's this is a big this this one's a big deal for me, and you know, because I, I I've gone out and I, I've tried a lot of different things, and you know, you, you learn what works and what doesn't work. And at the end of the day, the stuff that doesn't work, there's nothing wrong with cutting it out of your day. There's nothing wrong with that at all, you know. It's even if it's something that so many other people love to do, um, you know, it's you don't have to do it. It's it's your recovery. You make you make the rules on it, and if your rules work, great. And if they don't, you know what? There's plenty of people that that can help you out there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just. It's not an easy world out there alone, you know, and being in recovery makes it that much more, more harder to deal with. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much what, what I have on that today. Well, I want to I say one thing really quick on, sure. on the, the, how you kind of said that the world's hard out there. One thing, uh, one thing with me, I made the world so hard on myself is that that's why that's what I stopped myself from doing everything. And the more I actually, you know, put myself into doing things that notice how easy it actually is Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i mean things are very easy as long as you can overcome that thought in your head from holding you back and one thing that's helped me a lot is just doing you know what i mean the more i do the more i overcome those negative thoughts in my head that just hold me back from doing doing whatever i need to do to overcome anything and so that's one thing uh you know life is as easy or as hard as you your perception is on it you know if you're going to think something's hard it's going to be hard but if you actually just pay attention and see how easy it is, it's going to be a lot easier. And that's one thing, uh, you know what I mean? Seeing the light come back inside of, uh, in me, you know, it took me a long time to actually see that light. To actually see that belief inside of me, knowing that I can do anything. And, and, and I mean, the more I actually get out and do, the, that's the more I actually see within me. And so... I mean, the biggest thing, yeah, get out, do things, because that's what that's what's helped me the most is believe in myself. Because I don't know how many years I've sat on the couch not wanting to do anything or just not wanting to do anything because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in, you know, that life out there. You know what I mean? But that life isn't gonna come unless you actually go get it. And so that's fucking a very very powerful thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. And you know, something that we spoke of earlier today, just a random conversation we we're having. A lot of people don't get sober till their, you know, their latter years, some 55, 60, 70, 80, whatever. And because of that, you've spent your whole life without a hobby, you know? So here, here you are, 63 years old, for example, and uh, you know, you're sober, you're in your new apartment, and you're wondering like, you know, yeah, they tell me to get out, but what am I supposed to do? So 
we spoke of this earlier, and there's a person that, that I know quite well, and every day at the same exact time, at 2 o'clock, he leaves his apartment, and he, and he takes a little short walk over to the grocery store, and he buys his groceries for the day, and he uses that as something that gets him out of the house. So um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great way to do it, because the people that, you know, you see a lot of people that don't have any hobbies, and, and they'll, they'll go to a grocery store, you know, once a week on a Sunday, go buy all their groceries for the entire week, and sit around, get fat all day, and lay on the couch and watch Netflix. And not like there's anything wrong with Netflix. Netflix is great, but net, Netflix is not for eight to five unless you're retired and you've, you know, spent a life of work or, or service. So it's kind of how I feel about that one. But, um, but yeah, getting out, it's important. I recommend it to everybody, you know, recovery or not recovery. Um, because if not, you'll drive yourself crazy. It's happened to me quite a few times in my life and I'm aware of it and, and I don't want to ever put myself through that again. So. You know, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I like how you said it. You know, driving me crazy. Nothing drives me more crazy than sitting around doing nothing and letting my own thoughts, you know, control my life. And that's one thing uh, uh, I really want to express. One thing that's helped me out the most in life is paying attention to my thoughts and actually learning that they're just thoughts. I mean, I'm the one that actually controls them. And so whatever, how much energy you actually put into a certain thought and let it, you know, build and build and build or just, you know, building another thought saying, hey, no, I don't want this thought to come in my head and think of something else. I mean, sometimes it's hard to actually do that, but I mean, we got to look and, and see how long we've actually put that thought in our head. And that's why it's so powerful. And so overcoming that power and just um, knowing it's going to take a little bit of time, but the more you do it, the more it's gonna, you know, you're gonna overcome it. And so that's the biggest thing is knowing that the only way you're gonna overcome anything in life is by doing it. And one thing uh, I do wanna say, uh, um, well, I just kinda had a brain fart right there, but um, yeah, I just, I just kinda lost my thought right there, but. It's, it's all right, but um, whatever it was, I'm sure we'll, we'll remember it next time. And I just wanted to, you know, a couple of announcements just before we go tonight on the Sunday evening. Um, we're going to be doing these on a regular basis. Just right now, things are a little hectic. You know, we, we both have things going on in our lives that we got to, you know, attend to. And, you know, I have uh, some important surgeries up ahead on the horizon, so I'm going to be recovering from that. But, uh, you know, within the next, you know, month or two, we, we will be on here on a regular basis, and we will be on a couple of uh, additional podcast networks, and we'll, we'll advise you when that time comes. Uh, which network shows will be, but um, for right now, again, this is Keith. I appreciate all you guys coming out tonight. And uh, Eric, you have anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, just believe in yourself. You know, don't let those negative thoughts overcome you. You know, you you control your own destiny. I mean, you control everything, and so whatever you want, you're the one that's creating it. So uh, I definitely wish the best for everybody, and I love you. And uh, good luck out there. Sounds great. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out. See you next time. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the One Recovery Radio Network. My name is Keith. It is Wednesday, March 31st, tomorrow being April Fool's Day. Uh, I'm sure I'll come up with something, but I will be out and about. Uh, 
you know, paying my dues. <laughs> but uh, anyway, welcome everybody. I'm uh, glad you're with us this evening. Um, just a few things I wanted to kind of run down. I'm not going to take up too much time this evening. Um, just about since COVID started, or at least uh, maybe the last 12, 13 months, um, I've, I've lost a lot of people. And, and not just me. I mean, our entire community has, has lost a lot of people. And not just ordinary people. I mean, we've lost some really good people, the people that you would never think would resort to suicide or, or, or overdosing. And, you know, you see a lot of them, you know, overdosing on heroin because you go out, you get clean and then you're like, Oh, I can do, I can do this, you know, this much, you know, and, and you can't, you know, cause say you haven't done it in two years. You go do what you used to do. It's going to kill you. I see it all the time, which is, which is way too much. And, um, you know, me personally, I, I, I'm not afraid to die. You know, it's like, it's something I've really thought about long and hard and I'm not going to die over, you know, an overdose or, you know, anything, you know, I'll get, I'll jump in front of an 18 wheeler before I take a drink of alcohol, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, but all we can do is, you know, we're, we're here to help. And, uh, you know, I wish people would, would reach out, you know, in, in my past, you know, I, um, I struggled to reach out or, you know, or reach out in an honest, in an honest way. But, um, you know, the last time I really, really was in a jam, um, was pretty much the last time I used. I got, uh, about two and a half years of sobriety and it, it seems like yesterday. I don't know where all the time's gone, but, but, uh, it's been a long road and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, with where I am today. And, uh, I'm sure many of you can agree with that. Um, you know, you hear people say all the time, you know, life's a bitch and then you die. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, especially, you know, when, when you're living life and you have kids, you know, that those children are everything to you and, and to go out and, you know, I think you can do it one last time. You're, you're risking it for that child not having, um, a mother or father for the rest of his life, you know, and it's something that I want to, I'm really kind of pushing for right now is, uh, starting a fund, uh, with our parent company, Big Things by Nine. And what we're looking at doing is, is finding ways to, to help out children, you know, who have lost their parents, you know, due to addiction. And I know that this happens a lot. It happens every single day. It's awful, but, but something has to be done. So, um, we're going to get working on that. And as soon as we get some details, I'll pass those back over to you guys. But, um, I just, I just feel like we can, we can do more and we haven't, which is, which is okay. You know, let's forget about that. Let's go forward and let's see what we can do, you know, cause I think we have the opportunity here to, to make, make something really special happen. Um, you know, one of the things I took with me at a, at a treatment and don't get me wrong, I took a lot of stuff with me at a treatment, but, but one big thing is I remember talking about, I wrote a paper on showing up and to be seen, showing up and be seen. The guy that's doing the right thing, the guy that's not relapsing, the guy that's working in honest program, you see him out, you see him all the time, you see him at the grocery store, you see him at your outpatient treatment, whatever. You know he's doing good because he's showing up and he's being seen by everybody. Um, the, oppos- the opposite of that, uh, I guess you'd have to call that uh, alone, dark, and uh, a dangerous spot to be in. Um, so... Yeah, but anyway, we, we learn all we learn all these things through, you know, treatments or, or sobriety. And if if you go relapse and die, all that hard work you put in is 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 gone. None of it matters. It, it will never even you know 
it won't go anywhere. <laughs> but, um, you know, just another couple things. Uh, I haven't touched on this in a minute, but um, Al-Anon, everybody knows what Al-Anon is. Um, and I think it's safe to say, like, I don't, with, without Al-Anon, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm not talking about me and Al-Anon. I'm talking about um, my mother and Al-Anon because, you know, when I first had my my bad rodeo with uh, with alcohol, I don't think anybody knew what they were doing, and, and including myself. It was just, it was new, and, you know, we were just thinking, oh, rehab, 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 you know, and, and hey, rehab's great. Don't get me wrong, it's great. But there's there, there's ways to do things, and there's, way, and there's ways not to do things, and I think a lot of us, you know, the the more positive things that we learn, the better off, you know, the situation's going to be, but... I think forcing someone to in in rehab when they don't want to go or or faking like they want to go it it doesn't work it it doesn't cut it um, maybe for some but for most it doesn't so but uh, anyway since then my mom has been in in Al-Anon and it's given her a better standing on not just me but my disease because it, it's not my disease it's my family's disease the whole family's in recovery um, you know we're all in this together um, but you know there's a couple of things. Uh, that are really important that got me through my, my bad days. I never had a problem with it, but, you know, Nar- Narcan, I hear a lot of people asking about it, and uh, we all know what Narcan does. It's not the uh, syringe anymore now. It's You can get the nasal spray. It's just two, two squirts in each nostril. I think it's incredible, um, and I'm actually waiting on a bunch to come in right now. So if anybody needs... Uh, some Narcan kits, please uh, send us an email, um, which would be best to a big things underscore nine written out at outlook.com. And uh, shoot us an email, let me know how much you know Narcan you need, or and uh, you know, we'll, we'll put something together for you, you know, because that's it saves lives. I've saved many, many lives. Uh, you know, I wish I didn't have to experience that, but you know what, it's. It's just, it's all part of it, you know, and it's, uh, we, you know, we live and, and we learn and, you know, some things do have consequences, but no one will ever get mad at you for, for Narcanning somebody. <laughs> That's, uh, it's been a great resource for us. Um, and then another thing, uh, we, we also, we have a 24-hour uh, live number, which uh, it's 801-215-9682. And with that number, you can you can either sit, send us a text or give us a phone call. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Um, you're in a jam. You're having thoughts about harming yourself. Give us a call. It doesn't matter what time it is. Just give us a call. 801-215-9682. Um, and if, you know, for some reason we don't answer, um, we will return your call uh, in due course. And... Uh, there, there is another number I wanted to share with you guys. It's uh, the suicide hotline number. If you're in a jam, you can't get anybody. Um, that's going to be 800-273-8255. And uh, they're good people there. They can help you out. Um, anyway, so moving, moving forward, I want to thank uh, Tisa from last week. We did a excellent three shows with you we love you tc you're great and uh you you really inspired me and uh i think you're incredible um and then also i'd like to thank our our buddy ray had a good interview with ray and 
and then Andrew, Eric, the whole team. So uh, look forward to continue doing what we're doing. Um, you know, I want to help the community as many ways as, as we can. So I'm going to start exploring that, um, my idea about the, the children that are left behind because that, that's not fair. It's not your fault that your parents were an addict. You know, it's, that's, that's them. You know, that they're account, they're not accountable to anybody but themselves. So they need to, you know, be smart with it and just don't do it. You have kids. That should be your life. Everything. I don't have kids. I love to have kids. I don't have kids. Um, but I know one day that'll happen. And, uh, it's just for me it's another incentive to not use because you don't ever have to use nobody's holding a gun in your head that's a clear choice because this disease you might have looked at it as you know you had a choice you made a choice you ended up a drug addict well it's a choice but it's also a disease you know that that choice you make is what sets off the disease and you know which way it's going to go so but Anyway, it's been great talking with you guys tonight, and uh, we look forward to getting you back uh, this weekend. Uh, We have uh, some fun guests that will be a part of our program, so uh, we will get that info to you as soon as possible. And uh, thanks again, guys. I love you. We appreciate your support, and we will uh, be seeing you soon. See you guys. Hey, we're back. This is Keith with the One Recovery Radio Network. Uh, we have Andrew with us now. I think he's ready to go. So uh, in regards to what we just spoke about, what's up, Andrew? How do you feel about it all? Well, the block is... Everything's gone with the block, of course. And and now there's a new... Uh, we're scattering the homeless all around, still. And... The they just did it recently. I heard another sweep of the homeless again. But I didn't see anybody even get picked up. You hear you hear about these yeah. things, but it's like until you see it, like Operation Rio Grande. I was watching it in jail, and I see a helicopter, and you see it happening. But now it's like you hear about it, but you don't really see it. So you wonder, is it even real? I mean, we've been down there, we've seen the tents, but is it even real that they did another sweep, or is that just what they they tell you they did to make the tax to make the taxpayer happy? You yeah, know, so I was hearing down by the murals, there was a sweep done. And yeah, they got that rid was of the, all the. Yeah, that was on one side of the, yeah. of the tent city. Right, tent city. There's a bunch of tents. They're on 1300 South. I was just passing by. They got more tents going on. Yeah. By that, um, by that warehouse that runs parallel with yeah, the tracks. Right. People used to get on that loading dock all the time. Yeah. And I, I saw it last week when Platform. I was. Yeah. yeah, on that platform to that warehouse uh-huh. back there. Exactly. Tent, tent, or tent, or tent, tent, tent. tent, yeah. And they got rid of all the tents uh-huh. on 1300 South near the tracks. Mm-hmm. And now there's more. So, <laughs> three more tents. So they're building up again. And I don't know when it's going to end. I don't but and we continue to fucking... Do the same things over and over yeah. again. We're supposed to learn from this stuff. Right, and we just... We keep feeding them and giving them more tents, and we keep... And people, I saw something... Enabling them. Yeah, and and I saw, we saw this a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to call anybody out on this, but remember, I I came to you about the issue with the the firewood. Yeah. And why are we passing out bundles of firewood to the homeless so they can light fires, and then when the cops come, the cops come, well, so-and-so gave it to us. 
you know right. and it's like it's just one big fucking mess for the the fire department and you know we should be past that like going down the Rio Grande and Grand and passing out out firewood are we trying to go back where we were or are we trying to move forward yeah we're trying to make the homeless comfortable where they're at so they don't have to do anything they don't have to go out there and get a job and work they don't have to go and get an apartment they don't have to yeah, and then you know, you know what they're doing down in down in Provo. I read the other day uh, down there in Utah County. If you're homeless down there, there's an outreach program. Well, they'll they'll stick you in a hotel. And I'm oh. like, okay, they'll put you in a hotel, but what's going to get you out of it? It's like, what every month you got to renew your hotel? Is that how it works? Or, or uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's been a mess. It's getting worse. I don't see it getting any better. There was a time where it was getting better, but now I just feel like we're taking a um, taking a step back. So I don't know. But, it's not I'm not in charge of it I don't I mean I care about it because I, I care about everybody and so yeah. like you know the city's been very good to me and I've I've taken a lot from the city and it's going to take me a lifetime to give back I mean, but I just I you Keith have been homeless for five years I've been homeless for three and a half years so we know how it all yeah you know yeah you know and it's like I've been I've been in and out in and out in and out I mean I haven't been on been five year stretch you know maybe yeah. total but it's like I, I've been back and forth and, and I've seen it all and, and you leave and then you come back and it, mm-hmm. it's this it's that it's just it's just one thing after another but um anyway take a quick break when we come back we're gonna have uh, Eric with us thank you Good evening, this is Keith from the One Recovery Radio Network. Today is May 5th, St. Good Mayo. This is our second podcast of the day. Uh, we have our friend Eric with us tonight. And, uh, you know, Eric and I spend a lot of time talking about, you know, our beliefs and questioning our beliefs. You know, when you get, in, you know, when you're, when you're out there for as many years as, you know, we were... You get sober and you kind of question your beliefs, you know, and, and you and you wonder where, where where you are, what you're doing, and and you know what are you doing moving forward, you know, what's going on in this world, um, you know, symbolism that's a big thing, you know, there's a lot of symbolic things out there that uh, you know I question, Eric questions, but uh, I know Eric's done a lot of homework on this, so uh, what do you got, Eric? Good, oh, good evening to you, Eric. Also, good evening, bud. Yep. So I just want I just want to start out with. Uh... You know, they they found this ivory figurine found in Ukraine dated 12,000 years ago. And what we're talking about right now is the swastika. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we, we look to it as... Uh, so wait, you know, that, was in, that was in Ukraine, the swastika? We're in yeah, Ukraine? but before that, you know, uh, one thing we look at, the swastika, we look at Hitler and all that sure, stuff. And so, sure we do. Uh, just this power behind it. And, uh, you know, yeah, this ivory figurine they found in Ukraine dated 12,000 years ago. Shit. It's also found in the, the Nordic realm, found in ancient Europe. Also adopted, of course, by the Hindus and the Buddhists. Was, you know? that, was that around the same time, or? Um, well, no. This is just found everywhere. That just oh, okay. uh, ivory figurine. You know, oh, that okay. was just found. You know, that was just a figurine found in yeah. uh, in Ukraine dated twelve thousand years ago. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and of course, uh, it's also founded in uh, uh, in the Hindus and the Buddhists. You know, all over them. Dude, all over there. This so. is talking about symbolism. This is so like off of where what we're talking about with this, but. What I find crazy, you know, you you see a lot of this stuff on YouTube. What about like in, in ancient Egypt? You know, you see all the all the artifacts and all all like the drawings. They have helicopters and UFOs thousands from thousands of years ago. 
Well, yeah, that's, there's you actually uh, a lot of symbols. There's a lot more than just this one symbol, but this uh-huh. one symbol is just something I, uh, we're talking about tonight. But that's the thing, like, these symbols are actually uh, uh, an ancient, uh, basically, uh, you know, kind of like our alphabet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's actually, uh, uh, I'm actually just uh, really researching into this, so, you know, don't quote me if I'm wrong. Yeah, if yeah, anybody yeah. knows the, the right answer. But yeah. But what it, uh, what it appears to you is uh, back in the day, and this, these are found all over the world, all over oh, the world, everywhere. and everywhere. many, many caves. And People don't and, think much of it, you know, it's, and people need to, need to wake up because the people aren't awake and they're happy. They're happy with that. They don't really want to know what's behind it because they have their life, they're happy. The kids are in school, you know, bills are paid, you know. But those people, you know, I have a lot of family members that are like that too, you well, know, that, that their people just aren't awake. Well, we gotta we gotta understand why we're not awake too. I mean, look mm-hmm. at all the look at all the things around us. I mean, first of all, we got TV. Yeah. We got newspapers. We got other people and what they believe in. Their phones, you know, all the, yeah, their phones. The internet, the communication these, these days, you know, it's it's everywhere, man, everywhere. Well, and that's one thing that uh, you know, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, my whole life I always really really knew there was something more. And I mean, to be honest, yeah. again, I mean, with my addiction, and everything, it, it truly going through all that hell. And it truly made me think, hey, you know, like, hey, you know, like it, it brought something inside of me to actually, hey, there's something more than this, you know, I can't just, you know, dwell on this fucking hell all my life. I got to get out of it and figure out something else in my life. And it inspired me to actually look into everything, not just question one little thing, which, you know, like how many religions are there? And, and you know, just, for, just, ones, just yeah. for just really quick, I mean. You know what I mean? Like, what if all them, just just no idea if this is true, but what if uh, every one of those religions have something each and every religion don't have to bring something together and actually, ins- you know, to have uh, more insight and actually knowing the truth. And so, yeah, you know, right. one thing, uh, one thing, all this, all this world surrounding, you know, of course, uh, you know, the top people who apparently run the world. Uh, it's a very small few, they say, you know, probably, uh, probably three or four. That, you know, and, and actually, I just uh, did this research on this, how, you know, how uh, the, the eye industry, how they're making billions of dollars every single year over, mm-hmm. over something that we can actually cure ourselves. And we'll get in that to another time, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, just this symbol. I mean, it represents, uh, the, I mean, the ancients, they represented it as a kind of a portal area, like a vortex of what they called a, a forearm vortex. And that would uh, represent to them as a, a very strong energy center and so i kind of want to go into hitler i mean look at hitler oh real quick with the, with hitler dude you know you had the swastika but i, I watched the the biography movie on hitler mm-hmm. and one of the things to, someone who was who it was prepping him you know you got to stand you got to be standing out you got to be something people people notice so you got to be different and what hitler did to be different his mustache he, he had the, the small little mustache, and that was different. So pe- that caught people's attention, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. It was so it was that in the swastika. But um, you got some stuff from his book, don't you? From my, my no, no, I don't. I don't really know much about the sp- the specific book. But when I was very little, I heard you know Hitler wrote this book on he- what he was going to truly do when he was in prison. When he was in prison, prison yes. yes. And so I truly believe he understood this this power of this symbol, and he actually knew how to you know tap into it into that vortex of power. Yeah. And you know that's just uh, you know in the in the what what the swastika is it's like a symbol of life uh, rotating. And mm-hmm. so I mean, you know everything in life has to do with rotation. 
So. Spe- spe- you being a spear, you know? <laughs> well, it's, yeah. We're not boxes. But um, anyway, good stuff, Eric. We're, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the One Recovery Radio Network. Keith and Andrew here today. And what is today? Today is the 12th. 12th. It, it is May 12th. 2021 still hope everybody uh is having a fine week and uh i kind of wanted to get people's opinions and this is kind of a little thing that i struggle with because it's partially my fault you know and like it's one of my favorite items like in any sort of buy is the is the yoplait whips yeah and they had a couple there that are good but Dude, they they have pineapple whips. They have chocolate, like cherry. Yeah, dude, there's like twenty Everything. different flavors. Yeah. You go to Walmart, dude. No. But they, but the problem is, they sell out. Like every time I go, I buy ten of them at least. I will buy thirty right now. You know, like, <laughs> you're kind you, of you, know you know, it's just like that, that's my thing, dude. You yeah. know, kind of like. Well, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> since it's the holidays, okay. <laughs> so, all right, check it out. So it was yesterday okay. when I I was uh, discharged. Yeah, I was discharged. I was discharged, and uh, I ended up over on the Rio Grande side, just switching buses, you know. And uh, dude, I I looked. <laughs> I could. It's like I could feel it, you know. Like you're you're getting close to the big group of all the old homies, you know. And I can like like seriously going by on the street like. It honestly, like, I, I feel that negative energy that I used to put out. Dogs hate me, except for my own dog. But I don't know, man. What are we going to do about it? Well, I believe in vibes, energies, and auras. Yeah? Yeah. How are you going to apply that to our issue here? Apply apply uh, the energy? Yeah. You How? just got to give off good energy and not bad, uh, positive. Deep breaths? Yes. Yeah. I saw two really cute girls today walking over towards I think it was Liberty Park Okay. and they had some stuff that looked, looked like they were going to have like a party or something you know yeah, they're always having some type of gathering yeah, yeah. See, Liberty's a good spot is, is, is Liberty the biggest so, one? Murray Park and Murray Park's bigger? yeah I think yeah Mur- Murray Park's nice? yes yeah yeah Murray Park I used to walk around in Murray Park riding swings yeah <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's do this. Um, how do you? What do you? How did you feel about talking about your twenties? Okay. You want to kind of dive into that and kind of yeah. give us a feel for it, you know? And it's and remember, there's no shame, nothing embarrassed about. We've all been there, so. Right. Love to hear your story. Okay. Well, I was a, a food addict, and uh, I was a food addict, and uh, um, how old were you when that when I was? Uh, in my 20s. 20s? Yeah. All right. Middle 20s. So what What did it, What was that like for you? Just, uh, I would get go to McDonald's. I like to eat at McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. Multiple times a day? Yeah, like whenever I could, I would have my car thrashed with. Did you ever get, fill, did you ever get full? Yeah, kind of. Until you need another burger. It goes right through you. Yes. Yeah, it may, may not be comfortable. <laughs> just go right through you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I had several jobs. 
Yeah. What, what were you working? Like, what, I what was kind of working work? as a CNA. I got my CNA when I was 19 years old. That's for the ambulance? No, certified nurse's aide. Oh, so they in the hospital like all the other yeah. people in the nurse's team? I worked in a nursing home hospital for seven years. Uh-huh. Well, you came out there the other day. You should have put a nice shirt on and stuff and, you know. I, I put on a nice... No, I'm saying, you should have, when you came out there oh, to see me, oh, I you should have put a nice shirt on. I you know, know I but it, it's, a, it's, it's okay. Don't pause me. I don't fuck. But, <laughs> so, so anyway, so, I'm sorry. So back to your 20s. Okay. Uh, back to my 20s, I worked a lot. I had a few apartments. Uh, I used to live, my first studio apartment, the rent was 398 a month and that was pretty deep, deep uh, cheap and also uh, I uh, in my 20s I uh, had a car I had a car and uh, you, you had a car? no I had a car I said you had a car I was like okay cool yeah I well, had three cars three you yeah. recommend any of them? yes I did I was in a bad accident in 2010 what, what got fucked up? Uh, I almost well the the passenger side uh, both airbags deployed and uh, dude it, you know, it's like hitting a concrete wall here and well I, yeah that's what happened I I was driving home on the highway all of a sudden internet interstate barricade truck came down from the freeway went across four lane, lanes of traffic and then up the other cement wall to a stop the busted no the um, the interstate barricade truck they were dropping cones off and picking up cones. Okay, what were you saying? Oh, okay. I got, yeah. very, I got very confused with that. I'm not being confused. <laughs> so, alright, so you're in your 20s. Yes. What, are you on the streets at this point? No, I just didn't go on the streets until I was like 29, 30. Alright, I'm not going to get ahead on that. So, um, tell me about it, man. Like, what what did you do on the weekends? What did well, you do when, you know, fuck school, I'm done with school, you know? What, what, I, would what, go what to, I would go to church, go to college and career group on Thursdays. Good for you. Yeah, and uh, also, I uh, I um, I went to, I went to church, and then I I lived in a house where no one lived life together, mm-hmm. and everybody else uh, lived life together in this other house. And I was renting a room out, or they were renting a room out for me. So, nice. yeah. But I, what started my homelessness is yeah. What was the one event? Uh, I, I just had a nervous breakdown. Did you? Yeah. And I it, got too much at work. You said, fuck, I'm one of the dope men. Can't yeah. do it. I just can't. I, I got kicked out. So I... Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I had a lot a very stressful job. That is not a good thing to have hanging over your head, you know? No. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Yeah, and then I just got off paper February 17th. Fuck. Yeah. Alright, alright, well, we'll be right back. Okay. Two and one. Hey guys, this is Keith from the One Recovery Radio Network. Today is Friday, May 14th, 2021. Hope everybody is well. Hope everybody is safe. Uh, tonight we have uh, Ray here with me. Uh, hey Ray, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. You know that. Um, so Ray had a few things that he wanted to talk about this evening. So I'm going to pass it over to him, and we're, we're going to start with uh, the victim impact addiction. What is that, and what does it mean to you? 
Well, to, to me, um, it means really where our addictions start could have possibly been something that we were victims of, like um, car wrecks, or, or maybe we um, victimized ourselves in some way, or, or something was done to us. That's what kind of build our addictions with what? some people. No. Is that the one that like it draws people back to it? Like, say you're in like an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and everybody tells you to get out, and, and you love the idea, but you keep on going back more. Yes, like, it's a cycle of yeah. abuse. And most, most people, it's not necessarily like 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 for money, you know. I mean, some do, but, you know, for stability, but they just they get sucked into it, you know. Absolutely. And, and I, I've seen it happen with many people, many good people, you know, but um. Yeah, sorry to cut you off of that. Oh, it's all right. That, that, that's actually what it, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people, it's a cycle of abuse. And sometimes sometimes we do things that are harmful to ourselves, like feeding our addictions when we know that we need to stop. But it's because it's hard to break that cycle of abuse, too. <clears throat> you ever, um, are you familiar with thinking errors? A little bit. Yeah, we, yeah. And treat, you know, yeah, Andrew is going to discuss the thinking errors in the second segment with us. Um, he's got some good info on it. Um, basically, you just, you're just breaking down your thinking errors every day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Ray, also, last time I interviewed you, we kind of we kind of um, cut short um, and you didn't really dive in your family yet. So you want to talk just a little bit about, about that? Sure. Okay. Um, well, um... Where, let's start small. Okay. Kind of recap. Where, where are you from? Uh, how old were you, you know, when you first, you know, tried the drug? So, you can start with that. Okay. I'm, I'm from Salt Lake. I'm here, born and raised. And uh, the first time I ever tried a drug, I believe I was actually about nine. And I tried a beer, and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you feel? Um... I couldn't really remember. I remember it. It, 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 it was a yeah. I was I was nine, <laughs> but I, yeah, I couldn't. I I just couldn't remember how I felt. But I I just remember I didn't like it. For for me, the first time since we're on the subject, for me the first time I did any drug, it was in a drug, it was cigarettes. My buddy and I got a hand on our hands on some cigarettes, and so we went out in the woods. What's so funny? We went out in the woods and we each smoked a cigarette, a Marlboro 100. Mm. We went back inside. You would have thought we had COVID all over us. We were showering, scrubbing. Because his mom was on her way home. <laughs> and then, then like two weeks later, no, this is one, this is like three years later. Um, so I never really smoked much, but then my buddy's parents were out of town one weekend and it was either throw a balls out party or just get to go look, get like a select few over here, you know, and that's that's what we did. And uh, we got Red Dog. Oh, remember yeah. Red Dog? Yes. And you remember what it looks like when you turn it upside down? Remember when you turn it upside down? What it looks like? No. Oh. The dog does it? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, look it up, Andrew. <laughs> Red Dog. So, dude, I I drank like four or five, and I was ripped. I'm sure. Dude, I was fucking torn up, dude. That's been like that was back in the day where like. Drinking and drugs actually did some for you. Right, though. Like, mm-hmm. ever since then, fuck that. You know, it's like, I, I've never, like, now it just kind of, it draws us back to it, you know, and it's just, it's scary, you know. It, it, it is. It is, and that's why, you know, it's so important to uh, stay alert. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and the first time is always no time after the first will ever be as good like a lot of people spend a lot of time chasing after that the first time they they felt good they spend a lifetime yeah Um, the first time I ever did ecstasy Mm -hmm. mom and Ross um, (laughs) it was spring break when I was in college and we did it the first night oh my god this is incredible I will be doing this every day for the rest of my life then I woke up all hungover yep. and then the next night there was a party and I did the same exact ecstasy and I didn't feel it like it's been like an hour you know it's just by then so I'm like fuck it I'm gonna go drop 20 on it and get another one <laughs> so I dropped 20 on the other one now I'm fucked up but I'm nauseous as hell yep. like nauseated like, did you throw up you know, take, oh yeah yeah. Did you drink orange Me juice? Me too. Did I drink orange juice? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, those are like, those are the things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we need to rename this podcast and just call it Random. <laughs> random. <laughs> Ra- random Recovery. There you go, guys. Hashtag Random Recovery. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, my recovery was random. I mean, at, at my day-to-day is random. Things I have to do to get myself through stress and cravings and stuff still. So here, here's a loop since we're talking about random recovery. So, so what do you think about tele, tele-evangelists? <laughs> like, oh. like the preachers on, on the yeah, TV and they got like 20,000 people and, uh-huh. and they, they do miracles and yeah. they, there's YouTube, there's YouTube of them like getting private jets and stuff and like, well, Jesus asked me to bless me with this private jet. He does it for everybody. So I can get I need to get people to help them. Like, I need a commercial airline won't get me. I need to go anywhere in the world anytime. Fuck these fucking people. Like, seriously. I watched this best one, like Joel Osteen. Yeah. Dirtbag. The other one's the worst. Oh my God. Benny Jones. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. He he was really. Yeah, yeah, that's the one he He led that cult. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one that that made the comment. He goes, You you guys want to hear something funny? (laughs) And this is for Brad. He likes like Jay Dabner. He goes, Joe Biden thinks he won the election. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh that's, what's his, that's, that, his name's Kenneth something. Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. yeah. He goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they could use him for a super villain in a movie. They'd make out. That guy really is nice. evil. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got the devil. He's a, yo, he's a fucking demon, dude. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the little gossip shows that come on like 5, 5 30 every day. They, they caught up with him that's all over YouTube and it's a video of him and his Escalade leaning up the passenger seat telling the girl like like you don't, you better not you know say that and just all this shit his eyes were black Ooh. and she's like why did you feel the need to buy this plane like I just told you a couple minutes ago fuck dude that guy is fucking crazy yeah like he is I thought I was nuts dude fuck that this guy is insane like but in a way he's a genius mm-hmm. he's you're selling a lot He's able to make money. I mean, organized organized religions have enough trouble as it is raising money. These people, they will kick your door in, dude. They'll they'll tell you like sell your house and give us this percentage. Like they are, dude. They will do anything. Give us all your peanut butter. You know, anything, dude. It's Benny Hinn. He kind of faded away though, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit. He just does TV now. Remember remember the girl with him? Mm -hmm. And with him, she had like the blonde hair. She looked like Spider Man or something. But, uh, he, he has the, the gold chairs, <laughs> he has, oh, yeah. the old gold thrones that he sits in. I'm like, 
my God, dude, you are not God. Yeah. You know, don't, I, people that try to play that card and act like God, like, come on, dude. The only God you are is your own God. You know, your job isn't to be God for anybody else. Mere mortals can't be any kind of benevolent deity. Yeah. Because we're we're imperfect ourselves, so I I don't understand that complex that people get either. I've had that complex about like like I could say like I'm a god at this video game or something like yeah. you know unbeatable, undefeated. I beat I'd Zelda. Wa- I'd lay waste you. <laughs> when I when I beat Zelda and I fought Ganon, in the, the invisible Ganon, Ganon in the end, dude, I thought I was I thought I was the coolest fucker on the block, dude. Like, hey guys. I began. Like, really? No way. I'm like, like, what do you look like? Can't tell you, dude. You know, you gotta get there on your own, you know? Just leave legal hanging. So then, for the next year, I had nightmares of Ganon. And I was being attacked. And I could could feel myself moving and getting hit and getting stabbed. I couldn't see anything. It was Ganon. So he really got my, you know, got in my head. Yeah. Fucking Ganon. That name just sounds evil, dude. Ganon. Ganon, yeah. Ganon, Ganon the God, you know. I like the old, the way he looked in the old Zelda games. He looked more like a monster, and the new ones, he looks more like a human. Yeah. What does he look like? Um, in the new ones, yeah. he looks like... The big like, guy? He's, yeah. he's big. He looks kind of like a dwarf, but a really tall dwarf, like with beard hair, and, and like he looks more human. And I've seen... I, like what he looks like in the old Zelda games, and he looks like a monster. He's well, really cool. Oh, he's, yeah, because you can, on the <clears> final <throat> level, you, he'll like dance around, like you'll see him over here, and then he'll appear over here. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're talking about 40, 50 times to beat that guy. I beat him, I beat him with, the, with the wooden sword, though, the last one. Oh, what? No, really? I was going to say, yeah, no yeah. way. <laughs> that would have been so cool, though. <laughs> All right, but uh, sounds good. Guys, we'll be back in just a minute.